0: Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett, and I hope you are having a fantastic Monday after Easter, Tuesday after Easter, whatever day you're listening to this. I hope it's going awesome. I'm recording this at 1240, a little after midnight on Easter Sunday, and today was a super cool day. We had an Easter service in North Straub Park, and I just feel like... um. I don't know, I don't use a lot of churchy language, uh, so I wanna say I feel lucky, but it, it just feels a little more than that. I feel like we were kind of like blessed and things turned out in a really cool way for us and it just feels almost like it was on purpose. Um, the place that we rent from, St. Pete Opera Company, is the best, it's amazing, we love it there uh they are doing some repairs and so we had to leave the uh we had to leave our space for a couple weeks and it just turned out that it was on easter which originally felt crappy um but it turned out awesome we like it aligned perfectly with a really great stretch of weather it was so beautiful today uh it was cool um it was sunny it was like kind of like the perfect floor today and we just had a great time in the park. Thank you so much to anyone who came out and, and took part in what we were doing in person. Thank you so much to anybody who watched online. Um, next week we'll be back to, oh no, actually, next week we're, uh, we're gonna be skipping church for a week and then going to the beach. But the week after that, we will be back to our normal streaming routine where you can watch live on Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, Sorry it had to be a little bit different this week. We were just on Facebook, but we will be back shortly Um, Anyway, I just today was awesome. I I was talking about it with with Tiffany We just really had a great day. The kids really enjoyed the Easter egg hunt. The band was on fire Hannah as you'll see here in a minute gave a really non-traditional Easter message Uh, She like almost barely talked about God and Jesus at all. It was kind of like her personal story and, uh, you know, as it goes at the end, it turns out God and Jesus were there all along. And I think a lot of people in the park really appreciated what she had to bring today. So um, I, I don't think I have any real announcements for you. Um, you rock. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, let's jump into what some people call
1: the Super Bowl of Jesus sports. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, maybe if you've never been to an Easter service, this is not your normal Easter service. If you've been to a bunch of them over your life, this is not a normal Easter service. We're not going to spend all of the time talking about Jesus' death and resurrection and um, how Jesus came to take away the sins of the world and have an altar call at the end. There's nothing wrong with that at all. That's just not the direction we're going today. So, if you came prepared for something super philosophical sorry, <laughs> um, we are, I'm actually gonna get personal. So I just wanna say before I begin, I'm gonna be sharing a personal story about my life. And if at any point this is overwhelming to you or you feel like a lot of feelings because maybe you relate to it somehow, you can totally get up and walk away. There's no problem with that at all. Um, if it feels heavy to you, take a breath. You don't have to listen. So if you've been around Different Church for a while, you have heard parts of this story already. So we're gonna talk about mental health today and how that impacts us. And so anxiety is something I've dealt with my entire life, on and off, although I don't think I had the language to describe what it was until sometime after college. So when I was growing up, like anxiety and depression, you just didn't, that's not something that was talked about. Like it wasn't in our common language and Anxiety was something crazy people had. And depression, like, depression was acknowledged, but it was always something that you had for a reason. So, like, if you had something specific happen to you in your life, like a grief or a trauma or a loss, then you could be depressed because you could point to a thing and be like, that's the thing that's making me sad. And that's normal. So that made sense. But, like, if you had just generalized, I don't feel right, I don't feel good, I feel sad, that had no specific source, so it was treated as kind of confusing. Like, why would you be sad? Your life is fine. Which is true. My life was fine. <laughs> and so I couldn't ever really describe, like, what? well, I don't know. I can't point to this thing that happened to me that's ruining everything, so I guess I must not be able to trust my emotions. Now, I am eternally grateful that my faith community growing up did not demonize mental health struggles like some places have. And if you've been in a place that has done that, I'm so sorry. That's not how it should be at all. Um, but we didn't really talk about mental health either. So if if you were struggling, like the answer was pray more. Like if you're feeling anxious, just pray more. If you're feeling sad, just pray more. Like if if you were depressed, then you possibly had a spirit of depression. You had to bind that up in the name of Jesus and cast it out, like that could not. Side note, I also got prayed for my spirit of rebellion Because I did not like being told what to do. And um, it did not work. Because I still do not like being told what to do. Um, I just got prayed for a lot. So maybe, like, I feel like the things that we get in trouble for as kids are the things that we're celebrated for as adults. And as a teenager, aside from, like, the overwhelming onslaught of hormones that you get as a teenager and, like, the relationship struggles that truly end your world, even though they are massively insignificant, aside from all of that. I experienced a, like a period of significant depression. And my parents couldn't figure out what was going on. Like everyone knew that I was just sad. Something was wrong. I know I got prayed for a bunch of times. And like any good emo kid, I wrote so much sad, angsty poetry. You would not believe. I had a live journal account. And if you know what LiveJournal is, that's because you were, you, t- you also were a teenager in the early 2000s and wrote sad, angsty poetry. So I'm actually going to do something I've never done before, which is share one of my poems with you, um, so that you also can be depressed on this fine Easter morning. <laughs> so here is one short poem. The air is twitchy, spastic, sullen. It shuffles by making snide comments and we gossip breathing half-truths and fables, asphyxiating in our own guile. My soul heaves, but only hate comes out. Mm. Doesn't that just feel so warm and fuzzy? That was, you know, from my vast experience of life as a teenager, that's what I was writing. Also, I was very like, I tried to be humorous with my cynicism, so I'm gonna share one more poem with you that I came across when I was looking through the collection yesterday, and it made me laugh because I titled this, A True Perspective on Love. Remember, as a teenager, so what did I know about loving relationships? This is what I knew. Love is as helpful as a lukewarm beer on really hot summer days. It's as nice as a mosquito bite, as easy as a maze. It's a gallon of cough syrup when you don't have a cold. It's as comfy as a stuffy suit, as pretty as green mold. Loves the friend that never leaves. It's dog poop on your lawn. <laughs> it's endless meetings with your boss on and on and on. Loves the shirt with 20 stains you just won't throw out. It's the splinter in your, thro- in your toe, a grown man with a pout. It's everything you always hate. It's blood and sweat and tears. It's leftovers no one will eat that sit for years and years. Doesn't that just make you feel so good? Yes, my, uh, my vast experience with relationships. <laughs> a true perspective on love from a teenager. So you're welcome for that. So eventually like, I came out of that period and I went to college and I graduated and I got married and I lived my life and anxiety was kind of always just hanging out in the background, like popping up at inopportune moments when it was really inconvenient. And so I developed my own coping mechanisms and for the most part, life was okay, it was okay. I was too busy to settle down and address my mental health So I just managed it the best I could. I was working full time, going to school full time. And then 2019 happened. So 2019 started off with a bang for me. I had an ectopic pregnancy miscarriage. Now, an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that occurs somewhere outside of the uterus. So anatomy lesson, your uterus is here, the ovary is here, and there's a teeny tiny little tube that connects them. And that's where it was. If the tube ruptures, and it's very tiny, so it's a high likelihood, then it can also rupture the artery that goes right next to it, which can kill you. So I found out I was pregnant two weeks before Christmas in 2018, and by New Year's, I had been to the hospital twice, and it turned into this four-month recovery that that was like two rounds of like a chemo shot to dissolve the cells, more doctor visits than I can count. Essentially, I was on bed rest for four months. Like I could go to work, but I couldn't lift anything. I couldn't do anything strenuous because they were always like, don't get your blood pressure up. Don't strain too hard because you could rupture the tube, which would rupture your artery, which would then you would bleed out. So, you know, just go home and don't do that. So that doesn't help anxiety. And the worst part for me was twofold. So for one, I desperately wanted that baby. Like, we had been trying for a while. And I knew intellectually in my head that not only would that pregnancy not survive, but that it would cause serious harm to me if it did, if it kept growing. And I knew that it had no heartbeat. But still, signing the consent form to get that shot, to start the process of dissolving it, was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. And two, because the physical recovery from that was so long and so dramatic, I couldn't even begin to start thinking about it emotionally. I couldn't even begin to start processing my feelings about it. I couldn't even think about the situation without like melting down a little bit. And if you don't know, approximately one in five pregnancies in miscarriage, so not all are as life-threatening, of course, but it's not. we don't talk about stuff like this. We very rarely talk about it because it's incredibly heavy. But the majority of women who either have children or have tried to have children have experienced this in their life. And it's made worse by this blanket of silence that just surrounds the entire conversation because it makes people feel very alone. So if you are a person here who has experienced this in your life, like, please hear me, I truly understand what it is like and I know what it feels like. I know what the grief feels like. I know what it feels like to not have hope about it. Um, you are not alone. Your body is not broken. This is not the end of your story. But I tried not to think about it and I did pretty good at that for a while. Like I just smushed that down, focused on healing my body. But then we had a situation with our jobs, Jaret and I, and we, the future just became completely uncertain. So we refused to compromise in our belief that the church should be an inclusive and affirming space for all people. And so I wasn't sure if I was going to keep my job. or be fired? And, but you know, I still had to go to work every day. <laughs> I still had to go to work and meet with people and run small groups and like teach and like help people through their own mental health struggles, because um, I was an assistant pastor. And they're like, that's what you do. So I still had to slap a smile on my face and be like, well, this is important work that I'm doing, even though the future is uncertain. But at some point pushing feelings down just doesn't work i know we try because that's the best that's how we just keep going that's what we're taught just keep going don't be vulnerable but it didn't it didn't work for me like it, and by not work i mean like completely failed when we don't acknowledge our feelings when we do not address our mental health whatever you are suppressing will come out There is no way to keep that stuff on the inside. It will come out eventually. Maybe you're gonna explode with rage at the people you love over nothing. Maybe your work starts suffering or your grades start suffering or maybe you wanna sleep all the time or maybe you're up all night or maybe you wanna eat everything in the world or maybe you don't wanna eat anything in the world. It's gonna come out somehow. What is in our mind affects our body. It affects our physical forms. And for me, I started waking up at 3 a.m. every night panicking. Like, heart racing, breathing fast, something sitting on my chest. Like, this went on for months. Every night I woke up, 3 a.m. Sometimes I couldn't go back to sleep for hours. I would just lay there. And of course, you know, being tired really helps you keep it together the next day. (laughs) So it felt like every waking moment, I was questioning all my decisions, I didn't know what to do. Uh, Every energy in my body was expended in trying to just keep it together, to just make it through another day. And some people have like a specific moment in your life or if you've gone through something, you're like, okay, that's the moment where I knew I needed help. And sometimes it's like a negative moment where maybe you had like a public meltdown or maybe you said something really awful or hurtful to someone that you love. For me, the moment was actually a positive moment and it was, I was with my husband and my in-laws at John's Pass, like Madeira Beach. We love that place. Shout out to Mad Beach Brewing Company, it's my favorite. And we were just there, we had the best day. We were walking around all the shops, I found a super cute hoodie and I bought it and it was delightful. I had a mango wine slushie. Those exist, you're welcome. We were on the boardwalk, and I remember just like leaning on my husband, and we were like looking at the waves, the water, I was drinking my mango wine slushy, it was, so, it was just such a beautiful day. And I said, I'm having such a good time. Like this is the best day. And he said, I'm so glad, because normally you don't. And he did not say that in any sort of mean or hurtful way at all. I don't even know if he remembers that he said it, honestly. But he was celebrating with me that I was having this beautiful day. He was so happy that I was enjoying the day. And that hit me so hard because it was unquestionably true. It had been a long time since I had had a day where I was just like, this is great. Like, I'm just happy, I feel positive. And so I filed that in my mind. It still took me a few months to get help, but I filed that in my mind and that was the turning point for me to say I, I need, like this shouldn't be the exception to the rule, I shouldn't wake up every morning and be like, oh, sucks again. <laughs> Life doesn't have to hurt that much. So I got counseling, we prioritized our resources for that for a while. I saw a counselor who specialized in grief and trauma processing, um, we did some talk therapy, we did some EMDR, which is like a, it's a therapy that was developed specifically for people who have PS- PTSD or have some kind of trauma. And I thought it sounded really dumb at first, but I was willing to try anything because obviously what I was doing wasn't working. And it was really hard work, and it totally worked because I had space to process through all the things that I didn't want to, that were too painful or that were too much. And part of EMDR is actually following your mind wherever it goes, and eventually you get to visualize the part of yourself that's in pain, which is why I was like, whatever, this is so dumb. But it's not dumb because it's crazy how your brain works or how our brains are designed. And so finally, when we get to this point, my counselor and I, we get to the point and I'm visualizing the part of myself that is feeling all of this negativity, that's feeling all of this pain that I I can't even think of without getting upset. And the image that my mind created was of a little girl standing on a tiny island, all alone, in the middle of a storm, like a hurricane just screaming, just screaming and screaming and never stopping. And I, because of the way the process works, I was like watching this from far off, kind of, and I had to go get her. I had to go get that little girl who was all alone, who was terrified, who was heartbroken. I had to go get her and bring her back and I think that image is gonna stick with me forever because it's the most accurate image of the grief and anxiety that I carried that I could possibly think of. And I kept saying all through 2019, like the whole year, over and over again, I just kept saying, like, I just wanna have hope again. I just wanna have hope. I was trying so hard to have hope. I was doing everything I could think of, but I couldn't will myself into doing it. It just wasn't working. And there were many times when I felt like that period of life was gonna last forever. I, just, like, I would just never feel like myself again. That that was the new me. The new me was just that. And I would just have to learn to live with her and somehow travel through life with her. But I remember the day we had our very first different church service. And not March 1st, our first like grand opening. It was like a practice service that we had. We were like testing out the sound system and trying to work out some glitches before we like invited some people. And then, you know, the mic cut out halfway through and we were practicing. So it was just a handful of us and we had some beautiful music. And then I gave a sermon. I don't even have a clue on what now. And there was just a few of us gathered and it was such a great feeling to see something we had put so much effort into actually exist. Like Different Church was a thing that was happening. And that evening, my husband and I went to the beach to watch the sunset, and we were just sitting there, we were holding hands, we were watching the sunset, it was gorgeous, because we live in Florida. We live where people want to come to vacation. Like, if you have not gone to the beach to watch a sunset recently, just go. Just go, it's so beautiful. And we were just sitting there, holding hands as the sun went down, and I just had this realization, all of a sudden, that I had hope again. And not just like a little teeny tiny trickle of hope, I had like this overwhelming, impossible amount of hope. It was beautiful and radiant, just like the sunset that we were looking at. And then I realized that actually it had been there all along, growing just silently and slowly. When I couldn't see it, I couldn't recognize it. it. It grew like a flower that you don't even notice is there until suddenly it blooms. And then you're like, oh, like it clearly took a long, a flower, you can't put a seed in the ground, and then it has a flower. It has to grow silently and slowly. And then it blooms, but it's been there all along. And this, to me, is the true meaning of Easter. It's not that Jesus, it's not just that Jesus came to earth as God's son to take away the sins of the world. That's great, but it's also that God saw us Fully and completely, God saw every part of us the good parts, the beautiful parts, and all the parts that are so painful and so devastating. <clears throat> all the parts that look like a little child inside of us that feels alone. All the parts that need love and hope and validation and acceptance. God saw all those parts. And then God came to participate in our stories as a human to validate those parts, even the most messy parts, that they're valuable and meaningful and worthy. And God looked at us when there seemed to be only hopelessness and brought hope. One of the most famous verses in the Bible is John 3.16. You probably know it. For God so loved the world, God gave his only son so that whoever believes will not perish have eternal life. That's the message of Easter. Life instead of death. Acceptance instead of rejection. Hope instead of hopelessness. Peace instead of anxiety. Love instead of indifference. And when we begin our journeys as people of faith, we get to participate in this most beautiful and most difficult process, the hard work of having hope, of growing hope in our own souls. And whether you've just started on your journey as a person of faith or you've been at this for a long time, like if you're struggling, I just wanna encourage you to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Ask for help. Like It doesn't have to hurt this much. Life doesn't have to hurt you. Keep going. Keep putting one foot in front of the other because if you keep going, the scenery will change eventually. If you keep going, hope will come to you too. And when you see it and you notice it and experience it and it's this beautiful moment, then you'll notice that it's been there all along, growing silently, getting stronger, getting ready to bloom. And so as I close, I just want to ask you, what what is your hopelessness into hope story? What is it? Is it that a relationship ended in your life and that was just devastating, but now you've found out how resilient you are and you're thriving again? Is it that you struggled with accepting yourself and your sexuality or your gender identity, but now you have internalized that God truly embraces you for who you are? and affirms you as good and complete, and you experience peace now? Is it that you went through a loss or a death, like I did, and felt just completely overwhelmed by that grief, but step by step and moment by moment, you kept going, and now you can feel the sun coming through the clouds again? Is it that maybe you've been through a process of deconstruction in your faith, where everything that was once certain to you and black and white to you is now questioning it but you kept the lines of communication with god open and now you're beginning to reconstruct your faith in ways that feel more authentic and more honest and more open is it maybe that your relationship with your parents or your kids or your partner was strained but through communicating openly and honestly and working on your stuff you've started to actually accept each other for who you are and make allowances for each other's faults instead of blaming each other. And now you can move forward in relationship with people that mean the most to you. What's your story? (laughs) How has God been faithful to you? How has the community of faith helped you? That's the story we're sharing. That's the story that makes another person feel less alone. That's the part of Easter that you take with you everywhere you go. And I have something to share with you that's super exciting. We've been keeping this news under wraps. Um, I'm so, I hope you'll be excited about it. I'm like super thrilled. <laughs> we started Different Church with no staff. It was just Jarrett and Bree and I and our spouses and a handful of people who just decided that Different Church should exist. No matter how much it, work it took, no matter how much effort, we just, we're gonna do it. And maybe it'll fail, we don't know. We're gonna give it our best shot. There needed to be a place where all people, especially members of the LGBT plus community, could come and feel welcomed and affirmed to an inclusive space where all people are allowed to explore their faith in Jesus and ask hard questions and have the biggest doubts and still get to explore faith. And I, so I've worked a full-time job since Different Church started completely unrelated to this. Like, 9, 8.30 to 5, Monday through Friday. And that was a challenge before baby Nova was born. <laughs> but since she has arrived in December, it has been a little bit overwhelming. Like, I know I seem a fabulous, but that's because I've had so much coffee. I had only a small amount of sleep last night, because that's just part of the course with babies. They don't know how to human yet. Side note, her name is Nova because we found out that we were gonna have her maybe a month after I felt like I had hope again, and her name means new life. And every time I look at her, I just squish her fat little cheeks, and I love her so much, and she is just a ray of sunshine in my life. Anyways, <laughs> since she has arrived in December, it has been a little touch and go, and I have to give a huge thank you to Jarrett and Bree because they have taken so much off my plate so that I could still work full-time and take care of her and also try to take care of Different Church. And so my exciting news is that starting June 1st, which is like seven weeks from now, I will actually be dedicating all of my work time to Different Church. I won't be working a separate job. I'll have 40 whole hours or more to dedicate to different church. Like it's always been our goal for me to be full time um, so that I can meet people and do churchy things and administrative things like deal with insurance and taxes and bookkeeping and also meet with people and help people navigate struggles and do small groups and lead classes and do all the things that make a church a church so that different church will have a pastor and not just someone who speaks on Sundays. You made this possible. The church board voted to make me a full-time staff person as of June 1st. And this would not have happened without you. I know talking about money is super weird, but one of our core values at Different Church is we are financially transparent. We like to tell you where our money goes. So when you donate to Different Church, you are supporting real people who live in St. Pete or live in Tampa. We live right here. We do stuff in our local community. You like You made it possible for us to have services at the upper company. Um, you made it possible for us to be an inclusive space for all people. You made it possible for us to be here in the park for Easter. You help us support local nonprofits. We take 10% off of everything that comes in. Before it goes into our operating budget, we take 10% and put it right back out in the community. Last month, we donated $1,000 to More to Life, which is a local organization that supports victims of sex trafficking in St. Pete and Tampa and now you're making it possible for me to dedicate my time to different and to help people navigate their faith and to do something that I truly believe that God has put in my heart to do and like thank you is just a tiny teeny small phrase and it will never be good enough to encompass all the feelings I have about this but I'm going to say it anyways thank you from the bottom of my heart for believing in different church, for believing in me, for making it possible for me to be your pastor. It is an incredible honor and privilege, and I, it is one that I will never take for granted. And now, before I really start crying, <laughs> the band is going to share something really special with you. We have a song followed by an original poem written by Guiana, who is our worship leader, followed by another beautiful song, and then I will come back and give you some instructions about the Easter egg hunt, and I will give you a benediction, and then we'll have the best Easter Sunday ever.
2: bridge. How do I get from here to there? I begin confident, making my ascent toward the other side. There's no doubt in my mind that I'll arrive. This journey is merely another ride, one I've taken many times, but this trip seems different. There must have been something I missed. Some miscalculation I couldn't predict. My energy usually carries me through even when it's spread thin. But this time, it didn't. I had a few warnings of what was to come. Intermittent jolts gave me pause. Still no cause for alarm ever came to fruition. Of course, I continued to travel the distance. Oblivious to what fate would await me down the line, I would end up stopped at the incline just before the halfway point of the bridge, just before the top of the mountain. My energy would leave me here I sit, abandoned, as others rush past me to reach their destiny's exit. I ask you now, God, isn't this what you've always wanted? to have me all to yourself cut off from everyone else positioned just so only you could be my help. I tried to call on you now, but my focus is still broken, still shaken, still scattered, still hoping to get through to someone human enough To salvage the heart of the matter still scared i might fall backwards still frozen yet still somehow open to hoping again in that moment i was reminded of my forever friend in that moment my eyes were no longer blinded my mind was no longer clouded i don't know how i could have honestly doubted my forever friend the one by whom I was imagined, the one who merely thought of my existence and chose to make my soul shine infinite, the one who is unseen but breathes new air into me, made my heart to beat for itself, made my mind to think for itself, made my systems to work together, my body to heal on its own. How could I forget my forever friend, my forever home? My first birthplace was your imagination. You chose me first, and you still choose me every day. You facilitate every breath I breathe and every step I take, so I know that if my energy is ever running low, you know just what to do to reinflate me. If there's anyone, anywhere, that's the most concerned for my safety, it's you. The one who purposely and purposefully made me. I'm reminded that if I ever find myself stuck in the middle from here to there, there will always be a reason. You are the only bridge I was ever made to lean on. You are the fuel that carries my broken heart and my broken body and my troubled mind through every season. You are not burdened by the fragility of my state, you will not buckle beneath the bearing of my weight. If I find myself in wait for you, Lord, I'll stay. For you, Lord, I'll choose to endure the duration of the time delayed because with you, the timing is never late. Cause you don't abuse time. You don't waste time. And the only reason why you take your time is because you know how much time it takes to be done the right way. For you, Lord, I'll wait. For you, Lord, I'll stay. In you, Lord, I'm safe. In you, Lord, in you.
3: me from my sleep. This is the sound of hope returning, all your children coming home.